This is the Canty and Carlin Podcast. I mean, this is a wheelhouse right now if we're doing Taylor Swift on a pre-kent, right? <laughs> pre-kent vibes on a Thursday? ESPN Radio. <laughs> I'm now I'm picturing, I'm picturing it's me. Hi, I'm the problem. It's me. <laughs> like hit the in the club. Hit the vuvuzela, the sound machine. It's Canty and Carlin, ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. That is the patient tone of Michelle Smallman joining us from the uh, from the New York offices, the 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 regional manager of the New York offices on ESPN Radio. I'm Randy Scott here in Bristol, Connecticut. We are presented by Progressive Insurance. You can tweet Smallman at m Smallman. Not M-A-N, M-O-N at the end. Okay, so M, small, mon, like, like you're near the beach, boy. Like it's, like, like it's Jamaican, right, mon? No? Yeah, Jamaican, mon. Right. No, I'm not Jamaican. Eric's, no, I'm Italian. Eric's giving me nothing. Uh, conversation, CC call in line, 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. Uh, Smalls, did you get to go to any of the, the, the T-Swift concerts? You have like a regional out, you know, you could go to the ones in the Midwest, in New York. Have you been at all? I have not. Um, first of all, I want to address that you called me the regional manager here. Am I yeah. giving you Michael, Sp- Michael Scott vibes? Just, Is that boss vi- just boss vibes? Oh, okay, like great. World's, world's best boss? Yeah. That's um, all. Self-proclaimed. Bought it at Spencer Gifts. Um, <laughs> so I did not go to the Taylor Swift concert. I would have loved to go, Randy. Yeah. Um, our mutual friend slash former colleague mm. at ESPN, Steve Cerruti, he and his wife, Maddie, one of my dear friends, they were going to the show in Boston along with Steve's sister, and they invited me to go. <gasps> and under <sighs> any other circumstances, I would have been there with bells on. I would have been so pumped to see what many are saying is the concert of the summer. Uh, Beyonce has a word there, but anyway... <laughs> um, but I was in Chicago visiting my friends from college and running a half marathon. So I was not able to attend. And it's oh. a regret because I would have loved to go. And yeah. Steve told me it was an unbelievable show and an unbelievable time. A half marathon. I'm half impressed. Uh, no, here's the thing. <laughs> no, I'm joking. I'm, that's also from the office. No, here's uh, the Taylor Swift. I mean, like the Federal Reserve is giving her credit with boosting the U.S. economy because yeah. she brings a 98% hotel occupancy rate with all her all her shows and she's making 10 mil a night and all this other stuff. Um I would have done I've I've shot my shot so to speak in a creative way like that like not friendship bracelet but I remember the whatever Super Bowl was in Tampa it was the Cardinals and it was the uh the Steelers I was I was underemployed to say the least I was living in Tampa and ESPN radio set up across channel side from where my apartment was and so I went to Krispy Kreme and I Got a dozen donuts. I laminated my resume in a cover letter, and I put it in the Krispy Kreme box, and I gave it to Liam Chapman, who's who's still, you know, now he's a, a radio higher up here, but at the time he was, I want to say, showrunner for for the morning show on ESPN, yeah, yeah. and he and I was like, I know one half of this show, and it's not Greeny. I know that he loves donuts, and so I thought I could Trojan horse the box of donuts with my resume, and it worked. Like he opened up the box right away, ate a couple donuts, saw my resume, handed it to to, to Greeny because I put Northwestern on it, and Greeny Greeny was like, "Man, I got a show to do," and handed it back to Liam. Liam came down, talked to Liam, talked to like he introduced me like Chris Mortensen, and then someone put in a word at the Tampa ESPN affiliate where I was where I was living. Nothing ever came from it, but like it, you know, shot my shot, did did the very best I could. It sounds like it went better than Kelsey with T Swift. First of all, I love that move from you. Very creative, very bold. Very desperate. And here you are right now hosting <laughs> Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio. So <laughs> you're on the right path, clearly. Yeah. But I, I love that we're talking about Travis Kelsey shooting his shot with Taylor Swift and you shot your shot with Mike Golick. 
senior. I, yeah, that was it's <laughs> it's different. It's different, and it's about priorities and what mattered in my life at the time. <laughs> and that Do was you, this sports radio job. That's all. Do you think that was thirsty, as Chris Canty, oh. or excuse me, as Chris Carlin implied that it was thirsty of Travis Kelsey to try to slide his number via friendship bracelet to Taylor Swift? It was, and you know what it does? It, it shows me that the hierarchy of celebrity. Because I think of, I mean, I think of Travis Kelsey, like he's gone main, he hosted Saturday Night Live, mm-hmm. like he's gone mainstream, but he still knows where he is in the pecking order with Taylor Swift. Like Kelsey's right. connects and his agent and whomever else, they couldn't crack the inner circle there. So he had to go with this sort of, I think it now, okay, I'll turn the question back on you. It might be thirsty, but is it also, is it all, I mean, is it also, you know, I don't, I don't want to, I don't, I'm going to, I'm going to misspeak here. What's the riz on this? Okay, is Ooh, it is it strong? Meter. Quite strong. It feels like a baller move. Yeah, yeah. So um, if we're if we're taking a look at the old riz meter here, yes. I think it's high. I'm if on if the riz meter is this a one to ten scale. Yes, I'm giving it like an eight point two because go. I think it's creative. Mm-hmm. I think it's cute. I think it shows some swag. He oh. clearly is leaning into what he knows about her and her fan base while giving a little wink, wink to hey. Uh, this is what your fans do. I'm also a fan, but would maybe like to be more, if you know what I'm saying. Sure. Give me a number. Uh, here's my number. But I do think what you said is very accurate. He is one of the biggest stars in America. She's worldwide. She's absolutely oh, worldwide. Yes. It's a totally different level of fame. I'm planning, I'm going to try to go somewhere in Europe next summer. I've got the year removed travel bug. I'm going to try to line it up with wherever she is. Like, I'm going to, I want to see one of her shows, whether it's in Scotland. She's got some some in the UK as well. I mean, I'm gonna try, yeah, I'm I'm gonna make it work. She's gonna boost the global economy next. This is not why you tuned into Canting Carl on ESPN Radio, but she is Michelle Smallman. I'm Randy Scott. He is Sean Payton, and Sean Payton gave us finally like we're so speaking of thirsty, we are so thirsty for content as it pertains to the NFL. And yeah, we'll have your daily Saquon Barkley update. We'll talk about the Jets, but we get to talk about the Jets through Sean Payton because Sean Payton talked about the Jets, the Broncos head coach. Michelle told USA Today, let's see here. I'm trying to think of the best way to paraphrase. We'll go with the Bron- He goes, quote, I'm going to be pissed off if this is not a playoff team. Close quote. Talk about his own team. He also spoke about what he think went uh, went wrong, what he thinks went wrong in Denver last season with Russell Wilson, saying, quote, there's so much dirt around that. There's 20 dirty hands for what was allowed, tolerated in the training rooms, the meeting rooms, the offense. I don't know Hackett. He's talking about Nathaniel Hackett, last year's uh, coach for the start of the season. A lot of people had dirt on their hands. It wasn't just Russell. He didn't just flip. He still has it. This BS that he hit a wall, shoot, they couldn't get a play in. They were 29th in the league in pre-snap penalties on both sides of the ball. Close quote. What does it mean to you, Michelle, to hear Sean Payton stick up for his quarterback this strongly? A couple things here, Randy. Um, First, I wish that we had the audio or the visuals of Sean Payton because I would love to hear his tone when he's talking about this. It's kind of open for a lot of interpretation as we're reading it. But one thing that's not open for interpretation to me is that he's doing the old Tony La Russa. Randy, I covered Tony La Russa for a long time. Tony La Russa notoriously would throw himself out there and make himself the storyline to protect his players. And Sean Payton is doing just that. Now he's throwing Nathaniel Hackett under the bus in the process, but he's basically saying, don't look at Russ. This was not Russ's fault. This was all Nathaniel Hackett's fault. And I'm here to change everything. And we know it was a disaster with Nathaniel Hackett. There's a reason he only lasted 15 games. But what I think Sean Payton did in trying to protect his quarterback was subconsciously reveal 
that it was somewhat Russell Wilson's fault. And some of his other quotes about Russell Wilson, while he was trying to rip Nathaniel Hackett, I thought they were actually very telling about his quarterback. How so? Okay, so how is it? How can you, not you, Michelle, but how could one spin this into a negative about Russell Wilson? Okay, let me find the exact quote. So he is talking about Nathaniel Hackett and the people in charge allowing Russell Wilson to be this way. Um, so I'm going to find the exact quote here a second, Randy. But right. one thing one thing he says, though, that I love is that he says it doesn't happen often where an NFL team or organization gets embarrassed. And that happens here. He basically said that Nathaniel Hackett is one of the worst coaching jobs in the history of the NFL. Those are some pretty big fighting words. That's some I mean, it was really bad. It was a, a tough watch at times. But I mean, to come out and say that point blank, you know that this is going to be a headline and you know that the Jets are going to respond to this. Coaches don't do this to each other, too. I don't know if it's a a respect for the fraternity. It's the understanding that coaching circles are so small, uh, that coaching contracts are so short. I mean, you may have a five-year deal, but you're going to be there maybe two years and then you need to find a job. So if you go around burning bridges, you know, to the extent that, Sean Payton has a bridge to Nathaniel Hackett. I mean, that bridge has been torched. I think it was Luke Perry in um, oh in nine hundred two and zero. He's like, let the bridges I burn light my way home. Um, he's not trying to go backwards, Sean Payton. So I get that, but this it feels like a rare shot, coach to coach, that you just don't hear in the NFL. No, it's it's rare. You you're right. They do have respect for the fraternity, respect for the position, but I think he understands that his main job here is to turn around Russell Wilson and part of that is to rehab his image publicly. But this is the quote Randy that I was talking about that I thought was very telling. I thought it was a peek inside of Russell Wilson. So He rips Nathaniel Hackett for allowing Russell Wilson's personal quarterback coach, Jake Heaps, access to the building. He says, quote, Sean Payton of Heaps getting allowed access. He says that wasn't Wilson's fault. That was the parents who allowed it. That's not an incrimination on him, but an incrimination on the head coach, the GM, the president and everybody else who watched it all happen. Everything I heard about last season, we're doing the opposite. So he's Mm. basically saying they're supposed to be the adults in the room. They're supposed to stop this from happening. But what I think he subconsciously did is say they need to stop Russell Wilson from being himself because Russell Wilson wants to bring in all these outside factors. He thinks he's smarter than everybody else. He thinks that his way is better. He thinks he's more important than the people that are under the Broncos employ and that he can do things his way. And he's basically insinuating, I'm going to be the adult. I'm going to stop him from acting the way that he did. Mm -hmm. But I think that that is a pretty big glimpse into why Russell Wilson's former teammates may have said some of these things about him. And I I wonder if we're going to see a different side of Russell Wilson this year, now that Sean Payton is that adult in the room. Wilson played 15 games last year. He had 16 touchdowns and 11 picks and 55 sacks. Mm. 55 sacks up there with Justin Fields for the most. It's actually tied with Justin Fields for the most in the NFL among qualified quarterbacks. Uh, you could stand to protect your quarterback. I understand full well because I watched far too much Broncos uh, football last year that Wilson would run himself or scramble himself uh, into sacks. But I, I agree with you. I think it's, I mean, listen, by virtue of uh, calling the decision maker, calling Nathaniel Hackett and the other decision makers on the Broncos a season ago, calling them parents, you're calling your quarterback a child. Yeah. Like by extension last year. Bingo. Um, but I wonder if it also puts a little bit of pressure on Sean Payton, not that he's afraid of it. It's Sean Payton doing it to himself here. But Sean Payton, anytime you walk into a room 
where there's a problem, Michelle, and you say, I know the solution, and you start pointing a bunch of fingers at who you think caused the problem, you are implying that you have the solution because the way you do things is so different from the way that the problematic you know, situation uh, re- revealed itself a year ago. So I think he, yeah, he's putting, I, th- I think he's putting pressure on his quarterback by saying, you know, we got rid of all your distractions and it's on you. I believe that you still have it, but I, Sean Payton, am putting my own neck on the line because now my system is under the microscope this year. I, I also think he's saying, if this doesn't work out, it's not my fault. <laughs> he's saying Golly. Nathaniel Hackett, it was bad last year, but he's saying we have a playoff team. And now I am doing everything opposite of what we did last year because we don't want the distractions. This is all going to be about football, right? Sean Payton's resume and his, his record speaks for itself. We know that this is a championship caliber coach. But I think inadvertently he is saying... I am removing all of these factors that were problems last year. And yeah. if you don't succeed, this is on you. Like, <laughs> I, I'm doing my part here. I'm doing what I know to be instilling a winning culture and building this the way that I know it to be successful. And so I, I think he's trying to protect him. But he he's also, I think, giving us a glimpse into, like, just the, the kind of purgatory state that Russell Wilson yeah. is in. It's either going to be really, really great or it's going to be bad. All right, so it's one thing to go ahead and look around your own office, your own kitchen, and point out the messes in your own home, right? Sure. But what he did, <laughs> Sean Payton didn't just stop there. He took shots at the Jets, okay? Yeah. He goes yeah. on to, to say it doesn't happen often where an NFL team or organization gets embarrassed. Again, this is Sean Payton talking to USA Today, and that happened here, talking about Denver. Part of it was their own fault relative to spending so much bleeping time trying to win the offseason, the PR, the pomp and circumstance, marching people around and all this stuff. We're not doing any of that. The Jets did that this year. You watch. Hard knocks, all of it. I can see it coming. So it's one thing, Smallman, to look around and say, I'm going to fix all that ails this place and talk about your own job and team and organization. It's another to then look over the fence and say, oh, and my neighbor needs to bag his leaves and get his tarp off his roof. and da, 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 da. Like, he starts taking shots at the Jets. Then, of course, Robert Sala gets informed of this, and here's Robert Sala, Jets head coach, responding to what Sean Payton said. Well, I'm not going to acknowledge Sean on that. Is You know, he's been in the league a while. He can say whatever the hell he wants. But as far as, you know, what we have going on here, I kind of live by saying, if you ain't got no haters, you ain't popping. So hate away. Obviously, we're doing something right if you got to talk about us when we don't play you till week four. You know, the guys in our locker room, they, they've earned everything that's coming to them and really excited about what's going on. I think Hackett's doing a phenomenal job here. Him, the uh, coaching staff is doing a phenomenal job, and, and we're focused on us. I get it. There's a lot of external noise. There's a lot of people who are hating on us. There's a lot of people looking for us to fail. There's a lot of crows pecking at our neck. Uh, but all you can do is spread your wings, keep flying high until those crows fall off and suffocate from the inability to breathe. But really, really, really excited about the group we have, the coaching that's going on, and uh, but I'm going to keep our focus on us and making sure that we're prepared every single day to do the best we can and uh, learn from our past and grow with, grow with every every moment that we have. All right, you want to you want <laughs> It started. It started with. It's. <laughs> yeah. So it started. <laughs> Obsessed. Love that response. It's an amazing response. It starts with hip hop and then it goes into a more measured more measured response. He knows right away. Robert Sala does. We don't play. He knew week four, Smallman. He knew that from Jump Street. He was like, okay, they've already, we're already in their heads. We don't play them until week four. What do you make of the coach V coach? He said, he said. 
This feels personal for Sean Payton, doesn't it? I know he's coming in and cleaning up a mess that Nathaniel Hackett made, but for him to then point to the Jets and kind of outline all the things he thinks that they're doing wrong, it it feels personal in a way. We know that they didn't want to do hard knocks. Aaron Rodgers said they didn't want to do hard knocks. Robert Sala said they didn't want to do hard knocks. I believe the quote was, they shoved it down our throats. They, they, They realized that they had to do it. The league was forcing them to do it. And Sean Payton's talking about all the PR, all the pomp and circumstance. That's your quarterback, dude. He's the one that's coming up with Mm -hmm. a catchphrase, let's ride. He's the one that has the stage, (laughs) politics-looking family photos he's deploying on social media. Uh What are you talking about there's no PR? He's the one that's dropping the sliding around heavyweights workout video in the (laughs) offseason. Like, I, I don't understand all of this. Like, this is who Russell Wilson is at his core. He is PR. He is pomp and circumstance. He exists in that space. So to somehow say that that's a Jets problem, that I, I can't have A plus B equals C there. Mr. Unlimited. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, come I on. Do. We I, all know who he is. Well, I wonder if then, could it be a, a psychological effort, like a thinly veiled, you know, shot, passive aggressive or otherwise, at his own quarterback? Like, r- reminding his quarterback, hey, we're not about that life while I'm your head coach. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Maybe it's maybe it's that. I will say, shout out Rico Ritchie, because that's the lyric. And it's Robert Sala. It's not a Robert Sala original. This is some some mantra of his. That's it. That's it. And apparently, and Eric, you said he's wrong. You said Salah's wrong. It's not week four. It's week five. It's week five. Week five. So, Coach, okay. avail thyself of your own schedule and then, and then, <laughs> and then get back to us. Uh, Broncos will play the Jets in week five. It's Sunday, October 8th. That will be a hot ticket. Hot Ticket is brought to you by Vivid Seats, the official ticketing partner of ESPN. Get great deals on the hottest tickets. Experience it live. Michelle Smallman and Randy Scott in for the guys. Is, is all this attention... A good or a bad thing for the Jets. We're going to get into that after Michelle has this from NHTSA. We all know about the speed of sound, but have you ever thought about the sounds of speeding? If you drive over the speed limit, there are lots of sounds that you might hear. You could hear the sound of your vehicle crashing, the sound of first responders desperately trying to save you. You could even hear the sound of people crying at your funeral. Because if you drive over the speed limit, you could do damage that's beyond repair. One way or another, speeding catches up with you. Paid for by NHTSA. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. This is the Canty and Carlin Podcast. Canty and Carlin, ESPN Radio, ESPN App, Sirius XM Channel 80. That right there 
is the favorite song of our next guest. Joining us on the CC call-in line, 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. She is Michelle Smallman. I'm Randy Scott. He is Tim Hasselbeck, our ESPN NFL analyst. And uh, Tim, there's there's finally a little bit of meat on this NFL offseason bone that's not contractual. You know, it's not Saquon and his deal and where's Aaron Rodgers going to go, whatever else. We finally had some he said, he said with uh, Sean Payton uh, and Robert Sala today. It was Payton's doing. Uh, Peyton started it and really got loose with USA Today. Uh, what, did, what did you make of what the Broncos head coach had to say? Well, I feel like he was talking to his team through the media. So everybody's like, hey, can you believe he went after Hackett like this? Why would he do it now? Think about the timing. He has his team with him now. Saying something in February, you know, March, whenever, like that, you, you know, you're not, your team isn't in your own building. So I think what he was saying to his football team basically was what you did last year doesn't work. I've won a lot in this league. I know how it works. I know how it's going to be done in all aspects, what you do in the training room, et cetera. And so I'm going to go after Nathaniel Hackett and what went on here before. And what I'm doing by doing that is talking to my team. Now, I think the thing that's alarming about it or I guess shocking is that there's a coach's fraternity. That stuff doesn't typically happen. But I think with Peyton and everything he's accomplished, he probably felt like you know it was something he could do. Tim, Sean Payton said that he's going to be pissed if the Broncos aren't a playoff team. As they're currently constructed, do you think this is a playoff team? Yeah, I think that, yeah, I, I do. I think they're talented enough to be a playoff team. I think you look back at last year, you know, there are a lot of people that thought last year, it was like, man, this is a really good football team. Like, they should be competing against these other really good teams in their division. And quite honestly, it was a disaster, you know, to kind of get to some of what Sean, you know, said. Look, they were bad. They were bad at getting the play in. They were bad at coaching guys up. They were bad with players that have historically been good, you know, not playing well. So, yeah, I do think they, they can be a playoff game. We're talking with Tim Hasselbeck, ESPN NFL analyst here on Canteen Carlin on ESPN Radio. She's Miss Mel- uh, Michelle Smallman. I'm Randy Scott. Is So one thing that jumped out to me about what Peyton said, because it was a defense of Russell Wilson saying, hey, he hasn't just flipped, he still has it. I'm wondering, based on what you've seen, Tim, does he still have it? Yeah, I, I was stunned at what happened last year. And typically speaking, the quarterback position – you know, you don't go from being really, really good to being terrible. Like, there are very few players, if any, that that's that's happened to. And the reason is, is like, there's so many aspects to playing the position that if something starts to slip, like, that's okay because there's other things about your game or playing the position that you probably are still really good at doing, right? Think of, best example of this is probably Peyton Manning. Like, Peyton Manning has the neck surgery, ball is not coming out of his hands the same way, but he's able to still play at a high level, you know, eventually wins the Super Bowl. Like, so when I look at, um, you know, Russell Wilson, the big thing for him ends up being, I think he, he made things too hard on himself last year, rather with than playing inside the design of the offense and, you know, letting the read dictate where the football goes. I thought he was trying too many times to make a, you know, a great throw pushing the ball down the field when he didn't need to. And I think changing that, you'll get better play out of him.
Tim, let's stick with the quarterbacks. Here on ESPN Radio, we're doing our NFL two-a-days where we examine two different teams per day. And today we're talking about the Raiders and the Saints. So which quarterback do you think is going to have a better year in their new home, Jimmy Garoppolo or Derek Carr? I think Derek Carr, um, partly because of the division that he's going to. Um, look, I, I think what Derek Carr needed was a, a place where he felt you know, wanted and, and appreciated for, you know, kind of what he could do. And I think he has that in the Saints. Um, And look, I I think when you look at Jimmy's injury history and um, kind of some of the uncertainty there, some of the unhappiness with players there, um, and the fact that they play in a a division that I think would be really difficult, uh, I think Carr ends up having a better season. I think the weapons there are, you know, Devontae Adams is all everything, sure, but you have Michael, Michael Thomas is back and healthy. Like, he's a full participant now. We'll see how yeah. long how long that lasts uh, in, in New Orleans. Smallman and I were, were talking just before you came on. Some coaches, in our opinion, are meant to be coordinators, and some coaches are meant to be head yeah. coaches. And I'm thinking in a complimentary way of a guy like Vic Fangio, and maybe in a not-so-complimentary way, and I can say this, as a Raider fan, uh, maybe Josh McDaniels. Maybe Josh McDaniels is meant to yeah. be a coordinator and not a head coach. I say that to try to explain Derek Carr. Did Derek Carr, in your opinion, suddenly become a turnover machine last year, careless with the football, or was it perhaps more of Josh McDaniels' system that has also since run off guys like Darren Waller? Listen, I think, and you know this is a Raiders fan, Randy, yes, like, go back two years ago. Was there a more impressive leader in the entire league than Derek Carr? Like, was there a, no. a, a guy yeah. that and, and played well through horrible circumstances? Like, so, like, I don't know how you go from that to all of a sudden, like, hey, we're shutting you down with games left of the season because I've already made my decision on you. I, you know, sometimes it's just not a match. They clearly weren't weren't a match. And, you know, to your point about coordinators and head coach. Uh, spent a lot of time with John Fox when uh, he was working at ESPN. And um, he said something to me one time that I will never forget. And he's like, you know, you, you become a head coach because you have success as a coordinator. But, you know, in order to be a good coordinator, you sit in a dark room, devise a game plan, and then teach it to your players. Then you become a head coach. And all of those things that helped you become a head coach, you don't do anymore. And you now are basically dealing and, and, and putting, he used another analogy, but he's like, you're basically just putting out other fires throughout the day, every, you know, all week long. And he's like, it's just a totally different skill set. And so, yeah, I mean, we may be looking at a coach in his second turn, but maybe he's not a head coach. Maybe he's better off as a coordinator. Yeah, yeah, maybe, maybe Derek Carr didn't suddenly just become care. And you're right, that year of – Taking over after the John Gruden scandal, after the Henry Ruggs scandal. I mean, that that off-field leadership is now uh, something New Orleans gets to benefit from. Tim, we appreciate it. We'll play out uh, with another jam of yours. A little more, a little more Gwen Stefani. What do you got? <laughs> you got some, you know, maybe like what do you got for me? And some Acon. Don't know. forget about Acon there. Given the okay. we, given uh, the we who's. I know you're not. I know you're not controlling the board, Randy. I'm but, not. Uh, you, but that's good. You're <laughs> you know, I can't multitask. Hey. Hey, if if Randy was controlling the board, who knows what we'd be listening to. <laughs> we can cut Tim's mic. That's fine. Thanks, Tim. <laughs> Appreciate you, bud. See you guys. All right, Michelle Smallman and Randy Scott. And for the guys, it's Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio. Would you take $400 million? Yes. But for, and only for one year, <laughs> but you had to play 
your professional sport in Saudi Arabia? Michelle has already given her answer. I'll give you mine. Canty and Carlin, ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Canty and Carlin, the podcast. Oh, man. Every week. Every week with these pre-Ken vibes, there's, just a, there's a white guy overbite in the studio. There <laughs> just Rick is. Ross, a little Ricky Rose. There is. Candy and Carlin on ESPN oh. Radio. <laughs> that was not me. It was me. No, I'm kidding. I'm You're kidding. special. I'm kidding. It's the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. We are presented by Progressive Insurance. She is Michelle Smallman there in New York City. I'm Randy Scott here in Bristol, Connecticut. 888-SAY-ESPN is a phone line. 888-729-3776. Uh, Kylian Mbappe. Uh, you know what? Mbappe? Mbappe, right? Like, okay. because See, that tarnishes... Every small man, everything comes back. A Sports Center AM, we get Mbappe on there, and it's always like in an Mbappe, it's gone, you know. Mm. And we do, and we, and by we, I mean I, the royal yeah. we, I do that. And now it's like with the way the uh, the accent is on the end of his name, you got you got to French it up a little bit. It's Mbappe. Mbappe. Either way, either way, he said no merci to <laughs> three hundred and thirty-two million dollars. This was the offer. It's a Saudi club, Al Hilal. They sent officials to Paris to try to meet with Mbappe, Mbappe, and get him to sign this record deal. One year, three hundred thirty-two million dollars. He wouldn't even meet with them. He's yeah. a free agent after this season. He wants to go to Real Madrid. He's twenty-six years old, one of the best in the game in the world right now, uh, and he is going to go to Real Madrid. Everybody seems to think, but he turned down nearly four hundred million dollars for a year to play in Saudi Arabia, Michelle. Randy, I think this is so refreshing. Maybe it's on the heels of us talking about live and so many golfers taking all that guaranteed money to defect from the PGA. And I, I, I understand that this is a tough paycheck to turn down. Guaranteed money in, in that space is tough to turn down. But I respect Kylian Mbappe so much for taking this stance. He's going to turn 25 this year. And he's saying, no, I'm not going to get to be in the Champions League. I'm going to have to compete against weaker opposition. This is less visibility for me. I want to be playing at this stage in my career in the best leagues possible against the the best teams possible. And money is not the, the driving factor for me. And I just think that's refreshing and really rare in today's world of sports. It is. It is that, and it was funny to see. Um, it was funny to see LeBron James jump in and be like, uh, "Once Saudi Arabia starts a basketball league, like I'm out." And he he tweeted <laughs> he tweeted the Forrest Gump, um, you know, meme of Forrest like running down his driveway and hitting the street and like being ready to go. Uh, yeah, there's there's a there's a moral part of this. I mean, sure. Mbappe would have been three or four years old on 9/11, which is this the moral you know albatross that the live golf tour has to has to deal with uh listen cristiano ronaldo didn't seem to blink an eye at his deal with the saudi arabian club uh there are others i mean mbappe's teammate on psg left for far far less money but he left because it was more money than he was going to get the idea that you could spend a year of your life you know some people will say i can do anything for a year it's like yeah can you do prison like, could you do prison for a year? And I'm not to. saying I'm not saying Saudi Arabia is that. I mean, it'd be first class, world class, everything, accommodations, food, whatever. But you're still away from your friends, away from your family. You're training in, I would assume, triple degrees. I don't know what part of the season is temperate over there. And then there is the moral part of it. Now, what he's going to get or stands to get from Real Madrid is a fraction of 400 million, but it's still 70 million. 
that's that's what I'm seeing out there. Real Madrid's massive bill to sign Kylian Mbappe could be a gross salary of seventy million a season. So it's still generational wealth, and you get to play where you want against the world best competition, and you can maintain your moral high ground here. Yeah, absolutely. It's not as if he is saying $400 million to play in Saudi Arabia or nothing. We know that he's going to get a monster payday wherever he goes, presumably Real Madrid. But I want to go back a second to what LeBron tweeted, because LeBron can say that right now at this stage in his career when he's already won a championship everywhere he's gone. His legacy is already cemented. If you were to ask a young LeBron James that, I wonder if his answer would be different because this is somebody who understood his importance in the game. He understood his importance in basketball history. He understood that he was going to be one of the most talented players to ever pick up a basketball and he wanted to carve out his legacy. And I think that we're seeing that from Kylian Mbappe. He's he's young. He's going to be 25. Again, he understands that he is arguably the greatest player in the entire world. And he wants to make sure that he's playing in leagues where he can continue to win at a high level, win against the best competition, and further carve out his legacy. And I really appreciate that from him. So, okay, so you appreciate it, but would you do it? Would you, like, listen, Michelle Smallman, listen, Saudi Arabia Sports Radio comes to you <laughs> and says, one year here, okay, culturally, uh, legally, you have to adhere to everything we're about over here, but we'll pay you, you know, $5 million one year in Saudi Arabia. But if I stay in America, but I can get a million. If you stay in America, you get, you get, I don't know, what's the fraction of that, right? I mean, right. Four, it'd be four times. Yeah, you get a million. Me, you get a female, million bucks. A million might be a little, bucks. Might be a little different for me. So That's true. <laughs> That's think, true. I don't think I'm going. You're right. Um, but to to me, if it's if it's still comparable in the same space, and I know four hundred million dollars is not seventy million dollars, but it's still tens of millions of dollars, and likely in endorsements, he's going to reach more than a hundred million dollars. He he'll he'll make up some of that money elsewhere because of his reach in the game and his footprint and oh yeah uh, culture. He is a touch point. He's going to make money in endorsements, make money in appearances. He's getting those checks elsewhere. So yeah, I think I would do the same thing as him. Honestly, I know it sounds shocking to turn down four hundred million dollars, but there's something you can't put a price tag on, and that's what we're seeing right here. I'm trying to remember which of the FIFA games he's on the cover of. Is it 2024? 2023? The one of them like he's on the cover. So he's he's printing money in that respect as well. Like he is already yeah. and he is sort of soccer's, you know, I'll do respect to the Lionel Messi who came over to, you know, Inter Miami and Cristiano Ronaldo who seems willing to sacrifice both legacy and and twilight years, uh, you know, in Saudi Arabia. But this, he, young talent. The, the Neymar is aging out of being in peak physical form and shape. Like, Mbappe is it. And so you're right. Like, that window is far wider, and it allows one to turn down a $332 million offer to go play football in Saudi Arabia. The Angels are holding on to Shohei Otani, who could far surpass $332 million. Angels are going to be buyers at the deadline, but should they? Michelle Smallman, Randy Scott, Canteen Carlin, ESPN Radio. Thanks for listening to the Canty and Carlin podcast. You can listen to the show live weekdays from 3 to 7 Eastern on ESPN Radio. Plus, you can listen on the ESPN app. Canty and Carlin, the podcast.